the rich people always flying off somewhere. <laughs> Welcome to the Vegan Vanguard, a show about all things from the perspective of two revolutionary vegan women. I'm Mexi. And I'm Maureen. And today we'll be talking about anti-Semitism in the vegan movement and anti-Semitism more generally in the sort of alt-right, radical, ethnocentric political climate that we're living in and how veganism is becoming part of their agenda to push this ideology. And before we jump in, we just wanted to make a quick disclaimer that neither of us are Jewish, so that neither of us have actually experienced anti-Semitism. And that's just important uh, because obviously we'll be talking about an oppression and a systemic discrimination from the point of view of people who just haven't experienced it. So do stick around until the later half of the podcast if you would like to hear a lot of names of Jewish people who actually talk about anti-Semitism and advocate for global liberation and anti-capitalism, etc. I just wanted to acknowledge that we're talking from the point of view of allies who oppose anti-Semitism, but also as a privileged group who has never experienced anti-Jewish oppression. So first we'll be looking at the history of vegetarianism in Nazi anti-Semitic movements, and then we'll be looking at how that ideology is seeping into the mainstream vegan movement, or I shouldn't call it the mainstream vegan movement, but just like a, a subculture of the vegan movement. And then we'll be looking at how fascism is capitalism in decay, essentially how yeah, the capitalist system by producing crises, etc., uh, leads to like totalitarianism and fascism. And then we'll also be looking at anti-Semitism in anti-capitalist movements a little bit. And yeah, that's more or less what I have. All right. <laughs> gonna be a long episode yeah (laughs) um so okay first first of all happy new year everyone happy new year everyone yeah i'm starting the new year on such a bad foot yeah marina is not feeling so well right now not not feeling so (laughs) hot today could be feeling hotter I I really could, yeah. Mm. I am feeling a bit better than this morning when I just thought I would never feel like myself again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But somehow I have managed to recuperate a little bit. Yeah. And now I'm at least able to like read and open my eyes and have a discussion with you. Something that I was worried I wouldn't be able to do this morning. Yikes. (laughs) Well, giddy up, listeners. (laughs) Yeah. How did you feel about my ability to perform when you received um, my voice notes yesterday? Oh, uh, no, I thought it'd be fine. You're always fine. You always bounce back. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. You run on no sleep all the time, so. I do run on no sleep all the time. Yeah. One of my many resolutions for 2018 is to try and get better sleep. Mm-hmm. I don't usually make resolutions. Hmm. I really have to think about that. I don't know. New Year's is like the only holiday I actually like, if you can call it a holiday. 
Mine is Halloween. Um, but that's also my birthday, so. <laughs> so you're biased. Yeah. But anyway, maybe the listeners can tell us if they have any significant resolutions. Mm-hmm. So um, we got a number of new patron pledges in the past two weeks. I think we have five. Wow a lot so thank you so much for your support and once again if you wanted to support the show which really goes a long way we're trying to save up for some new equipment and some other things um you can make a one-time donation via paypal on our website or you can sign up on our patreon page as a monthly pledge so uh we want to say a very special thank you to grace uh or or the vegan marxist um barry mackie conlin helen grainer Mike Albanese, and I'm very, very sorry that I'm probably not going to pronounce this correctly, but Akan Debas, thank you so much for joining up and becoming our monthly patrons. And I would also like to give a special thanks to Sonia Gedicki. Sorry, I again, just Sonia, thank you so much. She made a one-time PayPal donation, which was very generous. So thank you for that. Thanks so much, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... All right, so should we get into it? Let's just get into it. So, um, for anyone who's not in the vegan sphere, the online vegan community, I'm just going to talk briefly about how some of this, you know, white nationalist alt-right ideology has been seeping into our communities. Um, There are a number of figures who are, you know, vegan celebrities in the movement um, that have been slowly moving from just like a general anti-SJW stance to like more insidiously like alt-right messaging and rhetoric. So we have big names like Fully Raw Christina um, tacitly endorsing People like John Rose, who is this like fully raw vegan guru. I, like just for the record, I don't really watch a lot of these people's channels. This has just been like brought to my attention um, because I personally don't get a lot out of like what I ate in a day of like raw vegan or like whatever. Um, but yeah, these are big figures. So fully raw Christina tacitly supporting um, this fully raw guru, John Rose, who is a neo-Nazi basically and like a Hitler apologist. <laughs> I what? Really? <laughs> yes. Oh my god, I have no idea who this dude is. Um yeah, I'll have to show you later or if anyone's interested in like looking this up. He goes off in all of his videos just talking about how like we've just been taught that like Hitler was so bad and uh, <sighs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's that. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are aware of vegan gains. Um, Even in the leftist community, people might be aware of vegan gains because he did debates with Roaming Millennial and Bering um, on veganism. So he, again, started as like kind of just like an anti-SJW. I actually used to like him. Like I actually used to subscribe to him and watch his videos like a long time ago because he was good. It was like really informative. He did a lot of good research and he really shut people down if they were kind of questioning the vegan message. Um, but yeah, he just really got into this like anti-SJW train. And then recently has been moving like full force into the all right he did a live stream with tara mccarthy 
Um, for anyone who doesn't know Tara McCarthy, I mean, I, th- I think she's more well known in leftist circles because she's a very prominent figure, like a woman on the alt right, um, like buddying up with like Lauren Southern, etc. She just talks a lot about like a white ethno state and like really puts down any non whites um, for a number of reasons. Like she's like a race realist, etc. And yeah, so Vegan Gaines did this stream with her and he... Did they talk about that in particular? Well, he, like, he did not denounce any of their, like, white nationalist rhetoric. And, like, he was going off about, like, Islam and, like, Black Lives Matter, um, which is ridiculous because he himself is not white, so... Right. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to be white to... Like no. espouse white nationalist beliefs. No, absolutely not. So we have Jamie Liardi. I don't sit around watching these people's channels. Like I really don't. I know him because I used to follow him when he went by Simply Vegan. Mm. And I liked his channel. And then he just slowly really fucking went off the deep end. Mm-hmm. And... Now he posts, what, like, 45-minute videos about, like, anti-globalism and yeah. how quote Quote-unquote quote globalism. <laughs> I think we could do right. a whole podcast on that bullshit. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, and also, like, Corey McCarthy, um, obviously related to Tara McCarthy, and um, he's, like, another vegan bodybuilder who is also a neo-Nazi. So there's a there's lot. There's also the golden one. Is he vegan? Is he not? I didn't know Wait. he was vegan. I definitely thought he was vegan. I'm going to look this up right now. I really don't think he is. <laughs> oh, okay. His first video is I'm going semi-vegan and 90% vegetarian. Oh, my God. And he has a video called Vegan Gains. I actually like him. Oh, my God. No, yeah. he He's posted a lot about veganism. Veganism, protein intake, and macronutrients. Wow. He does co- collabs with Corey McCarthy. Oh, fuck. All right. Okay, so the yeah, golden no. one. Fuck, man. This is like tarnishing the movement so badly. The fucking golden one is a vegan. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Oh, my God. This is horrible. All right. Yeah, so from what I gather with the titles, he's just very interested in veganism and somewhat promotes it, which does not surprise me. Because yeah. we'll see why vegetarianism has, like, such a deep and dark history in, right. all, like, extreme right-wing movements, which he is definitely a part of. Definitely. So, yeah. And, I mean, so, like, yeah. you and I have had experiences with certain people who are not super popular, but just, like, commenting on our channels and, like, harassing us about Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean we've all we've been really experiencing this growth in this really like white nationalist or like alt right, just real oppressive kind of fascistic kind of ideas, just moving into the vegan movement. And again, like I said, I I don't sit down and watch these people very often, but in looking like doing some research for this podcast, I started to watch a bit of you know different people's videos. So I was watching Jamie Liardi. Um, and looking at like Tara McCarthy's Twitter and everything. And something that really jumped out at me is the fact that 
like their whole motto or their whole like premise is like question everything question all facts the establishment is lying um and this is really it's such a it's kind of like a really dangerous trope kind of like the um uh, like the 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 freedom of speech trope that's just become this weird co-opted idea that allows you to question certain things like question things that have basically been determined to be facts just question those facts but not question other things like not question the reason behind structural inequality or like institutional racism or anything like that you know what I mean um so what I found really interesting was that Jamie Liardi um I guess um on his page he said that he started out as like more of like an anti-capitalist social justice warrior vegan like really wanted to make change in the world um but then just became so disillusioned and then started to realize that like everything is a lie and like we have to question everything and that led him down this road of like nazism basically (laughs) and it's just amazing to me because he said that he wanted actually to fight to create an alternative to this capitalistic unsustainable tyranny that we're living in now and put an end to exploitation and enslavement um and yet he's like not actually understanding where that is coming from and he's definitely not questioning it um so they say that you know the this is the world now of the allies which are the victors of the war and this is one of globalism and capitalism and communism which is also hilarious that it's like why what capitalism and communism it's <laughs> this is our like world. you know maxi why not <laughs> yeah like it's all just so bloody incoherent and mm-hmm. um like contradictory that it's <sighs> It's like, how are you not questioning all of these things that should be questioned, but you're questioning, like, questioning the fact that the Holocaust happened? That's the question you're asking. You're not asking, actually, like, why is it that we're actually living in this situation with so much inequality, so much environmental degradation, etc. So, yeah, I just really felt like a lot of these people, like, a lot of these people are, like, they're just trying to reinvent the wheel by bringing up these things that have long been discussed, long been debated, long been put to bed and talking about them as if they're these novel things that we really need to, you know, get into the mainstream and discuss and debate and whatever, um, like race and IQ or, or things like that. They're all like, oh, the mainstream media isn't talking about this. Like, you know, we need to debate. That's that's what makes the West so great is open discussion and debate. And it's like, dude, we've discussed it. It's been discussed ages ago. And we put Mm -hmm. it to bed like that's eugenics like we already understand that the reason why nobody is talking about it in the mainstream is because it's done like (laughs) like just go look at the debates just go read them like we don't need to have a new debate it's like people are just totally reinventing the wheel and then thinking that they're actually bringing something like novel and incredible into the sphere and being like Mm -hmm. wow like you know the mainstream media is lying to you but we're not gonna lie to you we're gonna look at this and it's like oh (laughs) like how do you even fight that other than Mm -hmm. being like please look at these many bodies of literature that are disprove what you're saying before Mm -hmm. you even make 
hour-long live streams about it discussing it as if like you're discovering it all I can say is like we're past it and we don't have time for it you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like this isn't uh, I don't know (laughs) that's just my like ultimate frustration right so yeah but yeah it it's like it's pretty alarming especially someone like fully raw Christina which seems who seems like so completely innocuous and froofy fru to have this person on your channel and saying that this is a lifelong mentor for you and then if you watch some of his other videos he's just going off about like it's shocking yeah So, um, Maureen, I think you're going to talk a bit about how how and why these people actually believe that veganism is so important to their ideology. Mm-hmm. So I am going to start talking about um, this idea that Hitler was a vegetarian, which I'm sure if you're vegan, you've heard a million times because that's like one of people's gotcha points is like, well, Hitler... Mm-hmm was a vegetarian um, and he was super violent, like as if that literally proves anything. I mean, how many people who did horrible things consumed meat? You know, I I just don't understand why it's relevant whatsoever. But anyway, so within Hitler's Hitler and the vegetarian thing, I'm going to first talk about how it was a PR move to essentially humane wash his campaign. But then I'm also going to critically look at why vegetarianism was thought to be so compatible with anti-Semitism and ethno-nationalism. So um, the myth that Hitler was a vegetarian was probably just a PR move that was administered by Hitler's minister of propaganda, Joseph Goebbels. Uh, There's a lot of evidence that he actually wasn't a vegetarian. If you look at uh, Bite Size Vegan's video titled, Was Hitler a Vegetarian?, which we'll link in the show notes, she gives a lot of great evidence and actually quotes a book written by Robert Payne called The Life and Death of Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler, Mm. where he cites evidence that Hitler ate meat and only occasionally restricted his consumption due to digestive issues and excess bloating and gas. So that's that's an interesting piece of information. That is interesting because I, like, even as a vegan, I I really did think that that he was vegetarian. Mm. Mm -hmm. And also he apparently carried a whip everywhere he went and beat his dog in public, which is not a very vegan-friendly thing to do. No. No, no. And, um... So apparently Goebbels propagated the myth of Hitler's vegetarianism as well as this fictional abstention from alcohol and cigarettes in order to emphasize Hitler's total dedication and self-control and disciplined character disciplined character that distanced him from all other men. Hmm. And not only was Hitler not opposed to animal cruelty, He actually, in a lot of the slaughterhouses um, and his treatment of Jews were directly influenced by assembly line slaughterhouses in the United States. And this is explored extensively in the book Eternal Treblinka. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a must read on my list. I've read like several synopsises of it. And my good friend Laura Schleifer has given really great overviews of the book to me and she actually Mm -hmm. did 
recently was on a podcast called Animal Rights Zone, which I totally recommend. And I just listened to it this morning. Uh, The podcast explores Holocaust and slaughterhouse comparisons and why they're offensive. And she extensively talks about this book and actually how you know, making a simplistic direct analogy between animals and slaughterhouses and Jews and concentration camps keeps us from exploring the the real connections of the systematic oppression of both of those, like both of the victims. Mm-hmm. So I recommend, I recommend checking out that podcast. So apart from the fact that Hitler wasn't actually in practice a vegetarian, um, Hitler also bolstered his belief in ethno-nationalism or the belief that Europe rightfully belonged only to Aryans with a desire to respect animals and respect the environment. The Nazi government heavily pushed environmental reforms and animal welfare reforms such as reforestation programs and the protection of certain species of plants and animals. Along with Hitler, Henrik Himmler, who was also one of the prominent figures of the Nazi party, was a vegetarian who opposed vivisection and cruelty towards animals. So this desire to protect the environment and also protect animals is very much linked to the conviction that Europeans should only be Aryans and they should be deeply connected to the land and protective of the land and be, you know, pure and um, propagate, I guess, racial uh, exceptionalism. And this still very much persists today. A Vice article called... One second. Why so many white supremacists are into veganism? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I was looking to. Awesome. Thank you. Well, so they explain how important the notion of blood and soil is to right-wing fascists. And mm-hmm. this fictional connection to the land was also defended last year in Charlottesville. So the article explains that... Quote, blood and soil lends itself to an idealized vision of Aryan ethical veganism as part of white people's racial purity and heritage. Romanticized veganism can serve as an entry point to white nationalism or reinforce other white nationalist beliefs. <clears throat> mm-hmm. What I thought was like super interesting as part of this was the fact that like they kind of admit that vegetarianism was actually like a non-white thing historically like it grew out of like hinduism um Mm -hmm. in ancient india so they kind of acknowledge that but then they say that that kind of vegetarianism is selfish because hindus abstain from from meat for fear of retribution in the afterlife whereas aryan vegetarians are unselfish and they're just demonstrating their superiority like for for the good of all sentient creatures except non-whites and jews mm-hmm. yeah that actually lends uh itself well to my next point which is that vegetarianism has been espoused by right-wing ideology because of this idea of moral rectitude and fighting degeneracy so that article also mentions that on Arianism.net, for example, there is a full page dedicated to veganism filled with quotes from Hitler, Hess, Devi, and Joseph Goebbels to ultimately argue that veganism is a hallmark of an authentic national socialist and it's a sign of genuine empathy and a level of nobility beyond presently popular norms. So 
they propose that veganism should not only be associated with quote-unquote pacifist hippie caricatures and instead that the true vegan archetype is the noble Aryan warrior. (sighs) God! Yeah. This is, like, unbearable for me to hear. I'm honestly, like, juxtaposing that this idea like this image of this Aryan warrior like the golden one flexing his muscles and like <laughs> his spear um i'm just supposing that with you know the instagrams of like bonnie rebecca and ellen fisher and like all these you know people who are just like oh like super hippie mm-hmm. um like caricatures of like white people being like i love the earth and i love plants and animals and you know what i mean <laughs> right fuck like, <sighs> yeah. And also, I remember part of Jamie, Lu- Jamie Luardi's things. I can just see photos of him in my head of, like, lo- looking into the distance with, like, a tuxedo and trying to represent yeah. European greatness and listening to classical music and saying, like, yeah. hip-hop is, like, <laughs> like rotting our brains or some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other than, like, white nationalist hip-hop, which I've heard. Right. The Golden One promotes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk about that next. Oh, I'm sure. Mm. I've only read about Nazi hip-hop, but apparently it's a thing. Yeah, well, I did this one video one time where I was scrolling through the Golden One's tweets and uh, just, like, commenting on each one of them. And, yeah, he was sharing some, like, Nazi rap. (laughs) And it was hilarious, but, like, horrendous. I know. I remember watching that at the gym. I told you yeah. it was so funny that's such a funny video of yours I like watched the entire thing I actually made it private because it was just getting like overrun with Nazis and I was like I don't know if I want this up on my thing mm. anymore but anyway so the the last connection I'm gonna speak about and I think that it's probably the most pervasive one is the connection between race and diet and believing that quote-unquote Aryans uh, are particularly well suited to a vegan diet and this was also something this was also a belief promoted by Hitler that um, racial purity was conducive to vegetarianism and the article that I previously mentioned on Aryanism.net also uh, reimagines a prehistoric past where Aryans were farmers who ate grains and vegetables as opposed to the herding and meat-eating Jews. <laughs> so Nazi has historically tried to gain territory by essentially colonizing subcultures and trying to seem cool and trendy. So a few years ago, there was the Nipster trend in Germany, which is uh, you know, <laughs> like, I know nipster. It sounds so much like nipple. How can people take it? It's like a hipster, but nipster. Well, that's the thing. They're Nazi hipsters. Well, that's awful. Yeah, let's just call oh them nipples. God. Actually, no. You know what? Nipples are fucking beautiful. It also kind of reminds me of Napster and that old like illegal downloading site. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> Your face is confused. Oh, yeah. I was like, that reminds me of diaper. Anyway, so Nipster, Eco-Nazis, Nazi hip-hop, which you shouted out earlier, uh, like Nazi Tumblr blogs, cooking shows, and also Nipster fashion. Ew. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so the notion that veganism is somehow, quote-unquote, natural for white people has also been spread by white nationalist YouTubers, which we've talked about, like Jamie Louis Liardi, the golden one. Mm-hmm. And I, I put down Vegetable Police because I know that that was a thing at one point, but I've nev- I never watched mm-hmm. that video. Yeah, but, I didn't watch it either, but yeah. So specific to that, we can think of the vegan cooking show called Baklava Cooch. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. That's probably not how you pronounce it. Baklava <laughs> Cooch. <laughs> okay. So it's present. <laughs> I think that should be the name of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Nipsters and baklava cooches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So they're present. So the cooking show is presented by nationalist socialists from Hanover, wearing baklavas. Mm. Um, Oh, and balaclavas. What? You mean balaclavas? No, it's called. Oh yeah. I'm like, they're wearing desserts <laughs> yes. on their faces. Wait, I thought, I thought were a dessert. Oh, my God. That makes sense. Balaclava. You're right. Because it's balaclava awesome. cooch. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I'm yeah. not awake today. Okay? And my head hurts. <laughs> That's fine. That was awesome. There's also a cooking magazine called Homefront, run by a white nationalist woman that focuses on domestic issues and housekeeping and promotes vegetarian recipes for Aryan healthy families. Mm. <sighs> yeah, like they're all just totally ignoring the fact that this actually started in Eastern cultures. Like this started in ancient India. Like this was totally. not, you know, like an Aryan thing. I mean, I guess it was also there in, in ancient Greece. But... <sighs> come on you know (laughs) yeah no it's super fucked up um and it's just like yeah they've completely appropriated and co-opted veganism to promote Mm -hmm. their agenda and also because like in this capitalist global economy i mean for so long many of the like non-western countries and and different people were like by necessity vegetarian because they couldn't actually access meat so it's like vegetarianism has been a real global thing for a real long time and if it made people you know racially superior then uh looks like everyone else has been racially superior to us for millennia Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and i feel like that's why they make they make the distinction that you spoke about earlier that their veganism is like ethically based in animal rights and like supreme compassion and moral rectitude rather than you know mm-hmm. just a vegetarian or vegan diet that is actually motivated by selfish either health related concerns or spiritually related motives mm-hmm. or whatever but even if you look into like the spiritual reasons of why they were doing it like a lot of it just had to do with like respecting the sentience of all beings and not wanting to consume something that had a soul so it's not it doesn't sound that selfish really (laughs) it sounds like the same reasons they just had to paint it in like a different light totally so next we can move in to why capitalism leads to 
fascism and why anti-Semitism is an extension of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the underlying cause to all of this, or like not, yeah. Well, I feel like the underlying problem to a lot of this is just a complete lack of understanding of political economy in any real sense. Like all of these people who get online and have their things being like, question everything, um, but they don't actually ever question the reasons why we have structural inequality or why racism persists. You know, like they'll say things like Tara McCarthy will say things like, oh, obviously non-whites are just perform poorly in the market. Um, but, you know, well, not all non-whites or whatever, but, the, you know, let's say black people perform poorly in the mar- market, but they wouldn't ever actually look at like, well, what are the, some of the structural oppressions? Like, what are the reasons behind this? They'll just assume, oh, it's because of the, your race. That's exactly why. Right. So it's like question some things, just take everything else at face value. And this just complete lack of understanding of political economy I think really opens people up to believing in these things because, you know, like that's why I dedicate my whole channel to that, to, to teaching that. Like I don't spend a lot of time making call out videos or like making videos about like, oh, this person's a racist, this person, whatever. Cause it's just like, well, what is me calling you a racist do? That's just, you know what I mean? Like I need to educate you as to why these things are happening so that you do not have those racist beliefs in the first place so that you do not look at a poor person struggling in a ghetto somewhere and think, oh, they're there because of their race instead of they're there because of, of racialized capitalism that's exploiting them. And like, you know, all of these things that they're concerned about, like the decline of white culture and white genocide, quote unquote, or declining levels of, you know, means of subsistence for white people across America or or even in Europe, you know, instead of actually looking at the real problems that are underlying these things or having any understanding of them, they're just going to blame things on very surface level things um, that, again, we've already debated, we've already put this to bed, we're past it. So I feel like the most dangerous part of all of this is that no one is actually seeing what is driving this on like a real structural level systemic level and um absolutely and if you just look at the state of the world right now like people's actual material conditions and also if you don't question the narrative that we're just sold on a daily basis yeah like whites on average in the United States, I think a family has like 22 times the amount of wealth as black families. They're obviously mm-hmm. like more educated, more well off. Um, and their like life expectancy is way longer. Yeah, exactly. But it's, you got to question why that is. And I know that a lot of this white nationalist movement, I'm going to talk about Jamie for a second again, because I'm the most familiar with like his realization because I kind of saw it happening but he points Mm -hmm. to you know all the great things that white people have done and the classical music and the breakthroughs and mathematical knowledge and the beautiful architecture but it's like dude like Mm -hmm. look at where we stole all of these resources from like Mm -hmm. how are you missing such a giant part of the picture here yeah if you Mm -hmm. look at the situation right now and don't question the history and also mm-hmm. look at the situation 
through how it's presented to us, which is like that Mm -hmm. way people do so many amazing things, then Mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to think white people are superior. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's so interesting because like, even if you think about things like Machu Picchu, which was like a marvel of engineering, Mm. like they actually built that thing and they terraced the under the, like the soil level. So there was like a rock level and a soil level. They terraced all of that so that it would never erode down the mountain. Never. And they had a full irrigation system where everyone, like the water was filtered and then sent through pipes to everyone there. That was ancient wisdom that did that and like working with the natural world in ways that we have totally lost today like the what we do now is we work against nature like it's cold outside so I'm gonna shut myself in here pump a lot of energy through the house or like you know shut myself in not use natural light use electricity to bring light in you know what I mean like we're really good at just building things that that don't require that much like intimate knowledge with the world around us. Um, But anyway, yeah, like I was just reading this book, um, A Foodie's Guide to Capitalism, which is like really awesome. Um, But they're talking about even in terms of like agricultural systems and everything, like we would not be anywhere as like Western nations or quote unquote, like wealthy white people without slavery. And like even today, like slavery in you know, foreign temporary workers, like it's still going on. We would not be anywhere without immigrants and slaves, you know? So it's just like, like, do you have any idea what our economy would look like if we actually just exported all the immigrants? Do you have any understanding of like what would happen? Like, what are we going to do without everyone here working for us at all? It's just like this lack of understanding of history or of politics or economics is just like you know if you actually had your way you would be so upset at the world that you were left with if you actually like ethnically cleansed everyone oh yeah that was doing all this work for us and making us as quote-unquote great as we are right and if you had to give back all of the resources that all these supposedly amazing white inventions relied on Right. Have well, I mean, nothing. they would never do that. But even if they just got their wish of like ethnic cleansing, like, no, do you think that your problems are going to go away? Your problems are because of the fucking political economic system. It's going to be worse for you without people actually working these jobs. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have access to what you have access to now at the prices that you have access to them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. It's so frustrating and it's very confusing how that very obvious point somehow Mm -hmm. does not at all destabilize them. Mm -mm. No, I know. I'm like, who are these people that they're talking to? Like, who is buying this up? You know, it's just incredible to me. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you ethnically cleanse, like the problem is capitalism and like, fascism across the world has always been capitalistic Mm -hmm. even these like Mm -hmm. new you know um like hayek and mises or whatever were supporting or like fascist apologists Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) right and capitalism has really thrived under fascist dictatorships really really look at pinochet 
Look at Hitler. Exactly. Look at like, Mussolini. Yeah, the CIA has installed dictators for the right. sole purpose of instituting mm-hmm. like Chicago Boys, Washington Consensus type mm-hmm. economies. Like they've done that purposefully because they knew that dictators could get it done. Whereas if they opened it up for democratic discussion and debate, people would not be down for like losing all of their benefits, losing their health care, privatizing water and not being able to access fucking anything. They would not be down for that. I mean, some of the places today that they're having the greatest growth in GDP are under totalitarian regimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's maybe why Trump's all into Like Cambodia? It. Right, and the Philippines. Yeah. Man, just gets me so mad. Right. Yeah, that capitalism is always going to produce crises of various intensities and lengths as long as it exists. And this is just because structurally capitalism chases infinite growth on a finite planet and capitalists are always eventually going to run out of either labor power or natural resources or exploit the working class so much that they don't have the purchasing power to actually buy any of the goods that they produce. And so, yes, capitalism creates the market and destroys it at the same time. And this is a contradiction that is never resolved. It only creates the illusion of recovery in several different ways, but it doesn't actually ever like resolve its main contradiction. And whenever crisis hits, the system... The system's justifications for existing need to become more and more radical. So as economist Richard Wolff says, quote, when capitalism is in crisis, it needs to come up with an explanation to its problems that can lead to actions to be taken that will leave the system out of the conversation. And this is when toxic ideologies like right-wing nationalism are able to spread. And we're seeing this happen a lot today. Um, that right-wing nationalism is spreading as a direct response to people's grievances and desperation. So they're able to tap into people's pain and fear of lost status, whether it's racial, gendered, or economic, and scapegoat either Jews or refugees or black people or whoever um, Mm -hmm. for the system's failures. This was very much true with Hitler, um, who capitalized off of the Great Depression in 1929, which left tens of millions of people unemployed. And Hitler was able to tap into people's fear and anger and turn it into ethnocentric nationalist pride. So really fascism and racism are the underbelly of capitalism because capitalism necessarily creates inequality, necessarily creates exploitation. And then these ideologies are necessarily needed to justify the inequalities that capitalism has Mm -hmm. produced. So rather than blaming the system itself, it responds to capitalism's invariable crises by redirecting people's revolutionary anger towards the victims of the machines who have absolutely nothing to do with its technical ineptitudes. And I really Mm -hmm. felt like bringing this up because on our channel, I know that, I mean, on your channel and on my channel, a comment that we get a lot is, oh, then if you're blaming capitalism, what are you endorsing fascism? Would you prefer... Mm -hmm. um, you know, the dictatorships that went on. And it's like, no, let's look at the connection between why those dictatorships were able to thrive under the economic system of capitalism because because fascism is just capitalism in decay. Who said that? Mm -hmm. I don't want to take credit for that quote. Lenin. Lenin. (laughs) 
well, let's look forward to comments on that. Well, I think my listeners will be down for it, but mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, like people say a lot that um, like in times of crisis, capitalist crisis, it'll swing one of two ways. It'll either swing towards socialism or towards fascism. And the reason that um, in modern day or the reason that, you know, a lot of times it, it tends to swing more towards fascism and the reason why people are more attracted to that today is because fascism is capitalistic. So people are not being asked to significantly challenge the economic system. They're not being asked to significantly, you know, redistribute wealth. They're not, you know, they don't have to lose their positions of power and privilege. So they'd rather submit to this totally racist authoritarian ideology than move towards socialism because socialism is like, too radical for them like oh you know changing the bedrock of society like egalitarianism redistribution you know welfare and help right like i might not be in this position of power and privilege anymore so people are just find fascism more palatable which is like so sickening to me that like i think that just shows the level of internalization of you know neoliberal rhetoric that is prevalent here that like we would rather go towards fascism than actually redistribution of wealth in any meaningful sense. Mm -hmm. I also feel like a transition to fascism though is going to benefit from a lot more material support from the people who have it than a transition to socialism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I totally sure. get what you mean. And mm -hmm. I feel like it's this double-edged thing where you need to push individualism to the max so that you make people really scared of their own precarious situation. And then you also simultaneously push this ideology that it's actually, you know, your neighbors of color that are causing you to be in this situation, which like mm -hmm. I feel like would fall flat if we weren't all so conditioned with individualism all the time. Yeah, I mean, like, if you think about it, this is the kind of rhetoric that is just present normally in many, like, conservative parties, like, you know, many conservative platforms or Republican platforms um, will shift the blame away from the actual system and towards immigrants or towards unions, like, how many, you know, conservative uncles have you heard just like oh the damn unions are too you know what i mean mm -hmm. or like immigrants are taking our jobs and then if you actually look at the facts it's like no they are not they are supporting our entire economy you know um so yeah i feel like this kind of stuff is i i feel like it's able to gain the momentum and everything that it is gaining recently because it's always present in like neoliberal rhetoric to some extent like it's already there in our minds. And so this is just like an exaggeration of it. Whereas socialist rhetoric is not present in our minds. Like to that, that is so yes. foreign to people that like this kind of stuff makes more sense to them because it's just, it's just saying things that have already been said, but just a little more forcefully mm -hmm. or like a lot more forcefully, but like things that have already been out there in the public sphere. Right. It's a really good point. I hadn't even considered that. So, so the next point 
we did want to talk about this in the podcast because we thought it was important. The fact that there is anti-Semitism in parts of the leftist anti-capitalist movements and that obviously we very much condemn that and Mm -hmm. anti-Semitism is still a problem, obviously, and this is not just a problem that exists in right-wing circles. Mm -hmm. So historically, distrust of finance has very often and very incorrectly been linked to a distrust of Jews. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an extremely dangerous and problematic association, which we need to be hyper vigilant of, because representing Jews as cruel and as self-interested has been used as a justification for anti-Semitism and a tactic to treat them inhumanely for literally centuries. Mm -hmm. We can think about one of the earliest and most prominent examples of this stereotype in the story of Judas, who was the ultimate betrayer of Jesus, um, who was a malicious, greedy moneylender. And the trope of this Jewish moneylender was also heavily represented in art as early as the 1100s to show the morally degenerate status of Jews and promote Christianity um, in its place. So in art, um, and I'll link a book about this in the show notes, um, they Jewish people were really, really often stereotyped with physical attributes that made them readily identifiable, such as pale skin and hooked noses, And the stereotyping was, by the way, inaccurate and totally absent from art in antiquity and throughout the Middle Ages. So it really arose to fit an an anti-Semitic propaganda machine. Um, But this association between Jews and money extends far beyond the religious context of Christianity. Mm -hmm. For example, um, we can think about Shakespeare's seminal work, which I read in high school, actually, uh, called The Merchant of Venice, where the villain Shylock is an evil Jewish moneylender. And this association was, of course, used by European fascist dictators seeking to exterminate Jews in the Second World War all over. Um, And just this dangerous dehumanizing trope is still very much present in all a lot of our popular culture today. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so there are um, so-called leftists. I say so-called because I don't think that true leftism can be Mm anti-Semitic, but who pump this anti-Semitic conspiracy theory in which Jews control the entire world and all the banks and all (laughs) the resources and that they are by nature of their Jewishness, Jewishness, sorry, antithetical to the anti-capitalist struggle. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, just wanted to make it clear that we obviously entirely reject this bullshit Mm -hmm. and have zero patience for it. Actually, Jews have been a major force in the history of the labor movement, the settlement house movement, the women's rights movement, anti-racist work, anti-Zionist activism, and anti-fascist organizing in many forms across Europe and the United States. Yeah, I mean, even if you... Even if you actually believed that they were, you know, totally in control of finance and there was some global conspiracy that they were just enacting upon us all, um, you know, which obviously is ridiculous. Um, But even if you did 
believe that it's like don't hate the player hate the game (laughs) and sorry for saying that so lamely but i mean you know and you know i understand some of the players are just you know the incarnate of evil so i understand hating some of the players but at this at the end of the day you know capitalism grew out of europe and britain so you know i don't really understand this idea of being really really angry at individual capitalists and not actually the system that is the real problem so Mm -hmm. so we can further put this misleading myth to rest by mentioning you know some of the very small names that have pretty much founded uh, so much of the leftist movements so For example, Emma Goldman, a feminist anarchist leader, Tim Wise, a prominent anti-racist educator, Noam Chomsky, an anti-war, anti-capitalist historian and author, Harvey Milk, a gay rights activist and openly gay politician, Leslie Feinberg, a transgender activist and author, Betty Friedan, the author of The Feminist Mystique, Bernie Sanders, a democratic socialist leader and politician who militantly opposes financial greed, Fred Newman, the founder of the International Workers' Party, Naomi Klein, a environmental and social rights activist who vehemently militates and opposes the financial sector and capitalism, or Gloria Steinem, another prominent feminist journalist and social advocate. So I do apologize. Uh, Reading that list out loud made me realize the names were completely all over the place, but that way you get (laughs) a good sampling throughout different histories and different causes. Yeah, like, I'm sure, you know, some of the listeners will have their own qualms with people who are on that list. Um, But the overall point is that, like, in no way is it okay for anyone on the left to say or even think that, you know, anti-capitalist or leftist movements, you know, should be anti-Jew or racist in any way. Yeah. So anyone who uses anti-capitalism to bolster their anti-Semitism is completely factually wrong and Mm -hmm. uh, they can go to hell in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, And plus they're giving talking points to the pro-capitalist side who loves, loves to claim that a rejection of capitalism is inherently anti-Semitic. There are entire books that have been written about this um, by pro-capitalist Jewish intellectuals. Um, Like there's this book called Why Are Jews Liberals by Norman Podhoritz or a talk that I recently watched on YouTube by Yaron Brook that basically says that um, any Jew that doesn't espouse economic individualism is self-hating because leftism is inherently against their Mm self-interest. And the same rhetoric has, of course, been used by non-Jewish pro-capitalist people as well to discredit any anti-capitalist movement as being inherently anti-Semitic. So I remember that this was a critique that was raised to discredit uh, Occupy Wall Street uh, back in the day Mm -hmm. as just inherently anti-Semitic. Yeah, I think it's interesting today that like that has also been like taken up by people who are capitalists, like the alt-right, the people who like use that ideology now to say that like jews are part of this like global conspiracy like the globalists quote unquote like these are all people who are 
fascist and obviously pro-capitalist. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the fact that right now, you know, in the United States, we have like basically the most pro-Israel government ever and also the most overtly anti-Semitic government in a very, very long time. You know, Mm -hmm. so like obviously (laughs) people who think anti-Zionism is connected is connected to anti-Semitism, like should take that at mm-hmm. face value and be like, huh, why is an anti-Semite being so supportive of Israel? Maybe they're not that connected. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah. Um so yeah, just I reject anti-Semitism re- regardless of where it is. And I'm aware that yeah, I think that true true like leftism and socialism (laughs) should obviously Mm -hmm. not be anti-semitic and i obviously don't agree with the stereotyping of jews as like greedy money lenders and i think that it's very important that leftists also take a stance against that Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i'm really encouraged like in the leftist online spaces that i'm in like i'm really not seeing anti-semitism and like the big leftist youtubers that i'm seeing are like definitely not anti-semitic i'm like seeing that a lot on the right but again we've had some experiences with people on our channels who are (laughs) i don't even know what to say honestly yeah (laughs) i mean so many yeah i've gotten comments i've gotten comments basically passionately urging me to look into why Jews are responsible for everything that I talk about or, Mm. you know, like, yeah. Why anti-capitalism also needs to fundamentally reject Judaism. Um, Wow. See, I like, I like never get comments like that, but there was that person that we both had a problem with who is this funny, loved my videos, loved them so much that he made several videos about how awesome they were. And these were videos in which I did a Marxist economic analysis and he loved it. Then later when he found out that this was Marxist analysis, hated me, like made this big scene cutting ties with me because Marx was a Jew. And how did I not know that Marx is the problem and that, you know, Hitler was the real socialist savior. I fucking hate when people say that, like, national socialism is actually socialism. It makes me want to, like, shoot my brains out. Actually, I'll link some videos. Democratic Socialist 01 did some really good videos about how it's, like, absurd. But, yeah, like, I've I've definitely been berated by the, like... (laughs) Hitler was the real socialist, which is like, I just want to pull my hair out and die. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So I just wanted to leave off um, by mentioning Jewish Voices for Peace, which is an organization I've like mentioned on the show before and also on my channel. But as just an example of people who like use and like revindicate their Jewish faith um as well you know what let me just read the statement (laughs) on their website so um they say jewish voices for peace members are inspired by jewish tradition to work together for peace social justice 
equality, human rights, respect for international law, and a U.S. foreign policy based on these ideals. We are inspired by Jewish traditions to work for justice, and such work is part of our own liberation. We work to build Jewish communities that reflect the understanding that being Jewish and Judaism are not synonymous with Zionism or support for Israel. I would also add or support for, you know, the banking or financial industry. Uh, so, um, oh, and they're saying, and they say, our work is part of the broader struggle and commitment and racism, anti-Jewish, anti-Muslim, and anti-Arab bigotry, and all forms of oppression. I also wanted to mention some of the many, many other explicitly Jewish organizations that advocate for the rights of Palestinian people and against the Israeli occupation. Um, so organizations such as Independent Jewish Voices, um, which has branches in Canada and the UK, Not Now, Jews for Racial and Economic Justice, Trafe Podcast, Jews Against the Occupation, Anarchists Against the Wall, 972 Magazine, and the International Jewish Anti-Zionist Network are just some of the names, but yeah, they're yeah, an example of people who actually use the Jewish tradition as a way to like bolster their activism for all of these things that that yeah, I believe in. Mhm. Yeah, Jewish anti-Zionists. Yeah. Yeah. Are like a big deal. There's a lot of them, guys. Right. Yeah, they're a thing. They're a thing. <laughs> They're a thing. I made a yeah. video with a Jewish anti-Zionist woman called Laura Slyfer, who just has helped me learn so much about all this stuff, and so I'm super thankful. So we'll link the podcast that she was in about anti-Semitism and veganism, and also the video from my channel where she just explains, mm -hmm. just ha is like a fucking walking encyclopedia about, about like Zionism and Israel and, and Palestine and the occupation and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. yes so all right <laughs> so yeah we covered a lot but hopefully yeah i mean how do you think like we should fight this you, you know what i mean like i guess for me i'm I'm just going to keep putting out information on political economy so that people understand that it's not like a racial thing it's not like this is the real problem I feel like it's going to turn a lot of people off of veganism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Tara McCarthy and the golden one are like talking about it. Right. And I think that vegans need to very firmly condemn anti-Semitism. And I also think mm -hmm. that it's very important for anti-Zionists to have like zero tolerance for anti-Semitism because mm -hmm. it's actually a tool that um it's a tool of the oppressor to make people think that anti-zionism and anti-semitism are the same thing because then yeah you're so fucking scared to talk about it like i was for so long mm -hmm. and i'm still labeled as an anti-semitic from time to time and yeah mm -hmm. i gotta be honest it really scares me it's like a you know and frustrates me and is just such a a bullshit tactic and misrepresentation of my views to shut me up because they don't want me to talk about Israel. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's fucking awful. I've had people say that to me too. Like, watch out for a privileged vegan. She's an anti-Semite. And I'm like, pardon? <laughs> I'm just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. 
<laughs> like yeah no, why me girl. why not yeah you condemn the occupation yeah i fucking condemn the occupation i'm just gonna say that right now it's an illegal occupation that i condemn it's colonial uh, oh piece they're of shit. coming for you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway, well, it was good to clear the air on all of that. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed the episode, everyone. Um, Once again, if you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends or leaving us a review and rating on iTunes or Google Play. Did did our law of attraction goal? We still, oh, we thought we would have a hundred. Maybe we just didn't believe in it hard enough. Yeah, to be fair, I wasn't probably practicing as hard as I should have been practicing. That's definitely for that why to work it didn't work. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now's your chance to leave us that review or uh, support the show via Patreon or PayPal. Awesome. Awesome. Well, She's bye good. everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. She's good.